Welcome back to the show that puts the ass in asinine. Yes, I went there. This is Wrestling with Egos. However you may be watching or listening to us, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on Anchor Podcast, whether it be on, you know, Intergalactic Radio, or right here on the WWE, never mind. Thank you so much for making us a part of the Wrestling Week. I'm Patrick, joined alongside my two versions of my my two versions of the new day. We'll let you figure out who Big E, Kofi, and Woods are. Uh, in the black shirt, my good, my good in the black shirt with all the tack, the title belts behind him, my good buddy RJ, and the brick wall behind him, your intellectual hero, Brian. Gentlemen, I thank you as always for joining me. Give me one of those real quick. Put those up. Yeah, baby. A lot of good stuff to talk about this week. And by that, I mean, we're just going to talk wrestling. There's really a, not a whole lot going on. We've got stomping grounds coming up this weekend. And let's be honest, nobody cares. Uh, right. We've got Fighter Fest coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll probably talk about that. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it's free. <laughs> well, Operators are standing by right now. Damn right. Um, Raw was halfway decent this week. We had a hell of a homework assignment. We got a hell of a bar uh, of a bar discussion. Uh, when it hits last call, it's gonna be fun tonight. And truth be told, that's it. It's already ten o'clock on a Thursday night here in Northeast Ohio, and we're already a little bit tired. Somebody, and it's still raining. And it's st- it is still freaking raining. At some point, we're gonna need a big ass boat and two of every animal. Yeah, I'm laying clear. I'm I'm calling dibs on playing with the penguins and the otters first. I'm just saying. All deal. Penguins and otters. RJ can have the the donkeys because he's the jackass. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead. I, last week we did something a little different, and we led the show off. With homework, because Brian, back, let's go, call it what it is, a little bit um, risque here, a little bit crass. Brian back damn near had an orgasm over Okada and Omega two out of three falls. Valid. Right? It's valid. Very valid. Very <laughs> valid. So this week, homework that, the, that Mr. Brian gave us was Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Survivor Series 92, champion versus champion. Brett was Brett was WWE champ. Sean had just won the IC title from British Bulldog at Saturday night's main event. And then we get this great show. So we're doing our pre-show setup, and RJ just goes, Oh, we gotta we gotta lead with homework again. I gotta pull O'Brien. I'll explain once we get going. Go, RJ. <laughs> We're going. Guys, I've I've always had this memory since I was a kid of this wrestling show that I went to and I could never place what it was. And I pull up this show on the WWE network and I read the couple sentence description that they give and I'm like, wait a minute, hang on. And then I start the show and it opens Survivor Series, the Coliseum, Richfield, Ohio. And I lost 
my freaking mind. I always remembered I was at this show, dude. Like, yeah. for for those of you that don't know us personally, because we have a lot of our friends that watch the show. For those of you that don't know us personally, all three of us live in Northeast Ohio. I live in suburban Akron. Brian actually lives in Richfield, and RJ lives north of him. I don't even know where the hell you live. Cleveland proper. Okay, he lives in Cleveland proper. So we're all over, up there over. in Northeast Ohio. We could all, when the Coliseum was still standing, we all could have driven there within a half an hour. Um, and then took 17 hours to get out of the parking lot after whatever event was over. I, I, I've heard those stories. I was still in <laughs> I was still in Alabama when the, uh, the when the uh, Coliseum was still standing. So, I went to circuses there, and I, I vividly remember this wrestling show that I went to, and I could never place it. And then there was another thing I remembered to go into one of the double S events. I couldn't remember ever if it was Survivor Series or SummerSlam. And I started this event, and I started watching it, and I started flipping through it, pushing, you know, going seconds by seconds. And it was the show that I remember going to as a kid. And then the SS event, it was Survivor Series. It took those two things and put them together. And this it was a big moment for me because that was actually the night that I got smartened up to the business. What? <laughs> I was there with my stepdad and he ran into a guy that he worked with who was also there with the little boy. I don't know if it was his son or his nephew or whatever, but we're just standing there staring at each other, me and the other kid. We don't know each other. And they're talking, and I hear my stepdad say to the other guy, so how fake does it look from on the floor? And his buddy says, oh, it looks super fake. The punches aren't coming anywhere close, and they're missing on drop kicks, and it's, it's absolutely horrible. And then me and this kid are just staring at each other. And... It took me still a little while to really believe it and see it for myself, but that was the night that I officially got smartened up to the business, was that night, Survivor Series 92. Okay, okay. I got to ask you a question, and this is a question before we get into Raw, and before you even get into homework, that both of you guys can answer, and I'll answer to myself. What hurt worse, finding out that this wasn't real, or finding out that another person who showed up at the end of Survivor Series 92 wasn't real. We won't mention names because I know for a fact certain children watch. I'm going to say wrestling. <laughs> I, I... Yeah. Yeah, it, that was awful. I'm trying to remember when I <clears throat> had that moment not not and I'm not talking about the first time I ever saw it because WrestleMania three was the first time I'd ever seen I never had any concept of what it was. Right. And I remember being hooked. And I don't remember if it was when I got back into it in college. And I think my dad might have just made a passing comment, well, you know it's fake, right? And I didn't know what that meant at the time. I didn't like what do you mean it's fake? They're obviously because I mean they're they're putting holds on each other. They're you know, they're doing all that stuff. So there was there was a, a time period for me where I had to reconcile the fact that there's obviously athletes out here. It takes athleticism to do this. Reconcile that with the the winners and losers are predetermined. The, the, the results are scripted as time goes on about who is the champion, who debuts, who retires, who 
does all this stuff. Who wins, who loses? You know, I still have to enjoy it, even though I know it's scripted. I get it. I understand that. It doesn't diminish the caliber of athletes that we're watching week to week. Right. It is an art form, and I've always felt yes. that way. And I hate the F word. I hate the fake word. Oh, I, the only reason it. I said it was because it was a quote from what my stepdad said. I hate <laughs> that freaking word. Because mm-hmm. it's not fake. It is scripted. It's not fake. It's predetermined. There's a freaking difference. You can't tell. You, yeah. You can't tell me when Roman Reigns spears someone. A simple move like a spear. You can't tell me that shit don't hurt. Right. I'll do you one better. Let's talk about the women. Ronda Rousey, her little spinning Samoan drop. Did she, what would she call that thing? Piper's Pit? Piper's so, Pit, yeah. The impact on that thing, that some bitch had hurt. Yeah. No. <laughs> Everything some... Ronda did probably hurt. Huh? Everything Ronda did probably hurt. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I can't remember when I put one and one together that it was scripted. Um, I know it had to be Probably might have been like seventh grade. No, no, no. It was earlier than that. Um, probably around like 91, 92. Probably around the time that we're probably around the same time as you, RJ. Because it was during that year that I was grounded from wrestling. Thank you, Vader. Uh, <laughs> that uh, I kind of figured that out. And when I came back into wrestling, I realized that it was that it was a large gigantic soap opera that was insanely beautiful and i started appreciating it more as an art form and then started studying why we do this and, and that's what and that ladies and gentlemen is when i appreciate learned to appreciate heels i actually did just recall and this is i'm, I'm gonna embarrass myself no surprise here there we was one on this show on a weekly yeah. basis, man. There was one moment in particular on Raw that really hammered it home for me that it was scripted. Let me guess: when May Young gave birth to a hand. No. <laughs> and you need to and you need to stop bringing that up because that's the third wrestling with the Eagles in a row that you've brought that up. So I need to, you know, yeah. I'll go back and look at the clip. Yeah, go. Uh, when. You know, anybody who knows me very well knows that one of my all-time favorites is The Rock. And so I tend to pay attention a little bit more when The Rock is involved. Back in 2002, when the NWO came back, and you were getting ready for Rock Hogan at WrestleMania, one of the Monday Night Raws in particular had the NWO... The rest of the NWO leaving the building, and it was I think it might have been the night or the the week after they made the match. You know, good luck. You're going to need it. Not as much as you, brother. So, and they they come out and they start beating Rock up. The ambulance. And, yeah. And I remember, I was teaching third grade at the time, uh, way back when, and I was describing it to one of my colleagues. And I was describing it as if Rock was actually in the ambulance when Hogan rammed it with the semi. 
you're starting to see how ludicrous this sounds. Because all I, I couldn't get past the fact that like, my guy is, is in that ambulance and they're ramming it with a semi and they're hurting my guy. Get him out of there. And my colleague looks at me and she goes, you know, he wasn't actually in the ambulance, right? Because think about that. Think about how banged up he would be if he were actually in the ambulance, Brian. And then I looked at her and as I'm recovering from like my, you know how I read count stories and get like really like worked up when I tell them. And I looked at her and I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. He wasn't in the ambulance, was he? And that's, and I think that was the moment that really crystallized that I have to remember from my own sanctity that, hey, this is scripted. This is not, you know, when they, when they do stuff like that, that's not really them in the ambulance. It's camera cuts and stuff like that to make you think he's still there, but he's obviously not still there. But I'm interested to bring it back to this Brett and Sean match to get your perspectives on it, because as I stated last week, the purpose of me finding that match and delivering it to you is in anticipation of down the road our deep dive into the Montreal screw job. And I felt like this could serve as a nice little appetizer for everyone. Which uh yeah, which I think I think tonight might also be a good night to uh to schedule that as well. We can schedule that live here on the show. That'll be awesome. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. RJ, do you want to go first or do you want me to? I'll let you choose since you're the one that had the fond memories of watching this match at the Richfield Coliseum. Well, I can go first. Um, the match reminded me a lot of a lot of the match, not all of the match. A lot of the match reminded me a lot of what we see nowadays from New Japan. Um, there was there were a lot there was a lot of not as hard hitting not as strong style as right. Japan is, but much more strong style than most of WWE is now. Right. Um, uh, it just the the thing that absolutely did stick out to me was that these are two of if not the two best pure in ring technicians of all time. Watching those two men in the ring together is just absolutely we we just got done talking about pro wrestling being art and they are two of the best artists to ever do this Agreed. it was absolutely <clears throat> a pleasure to watch that was one thing i picked up on i agree with you wholeheartedly on the sentiment that it was a very japanese feeling kind of match because it was you, you could tell that every spot was thought out mm-hmm. and it was drawn out to maximize response, maximize the anticipation. Um, right. You know, in every Shawn Michaels match, when he's a heel, Shawn's going to get whipped into the corner. He's going to end up landing since I'm in the corner of the sectional here, I can do it, landing across the top rope on his stomach, get kicked in the belly, go up, straddle the ropes. Ten you know, feet. What? Ten feet in the air. Oh, yeah. Go straight airborne and watch himself on the top rope. Not the top turnbuckle, 
on the rope, and if he lands it just right, the 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 baby face will grab the rope and start shaking it and bouncing Sean up and down like a freaking pinata. It's one of probably one of my favorite heel heel spots. You know those like the Ric Flair flop or shit like that. Um, you know one of the better heel spots. It would to me and um. Brian probably, I don't think Brian has seen this match. RJ, you'll know what I'm referring to when I mention the match. It reminded me a lot of the table in the very first Omega Okada match. That one table that they tried to break 700 times. (laughs) And when it finally went, oh my God. You just, you, you were waiting like, okay. When's Sean going to crotch himself? Oh, perfectly timed. Boingy, 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 boingy. When is Brett going to go sternum first into the, to- into the corner? I hate when he does that because I'm just like, oh, God. I know. Oh, so freaking hard, man. Oh, my gosh. It's like he gets he, shot. He hits that thing like his name is Troy Polamalu. <laughs> no doubt. It is just wild. I'm like, oh my god, how how are you still alive doing yeah. that night after freaking night? Yeah. Um, but those things that you knew, it's kind of like the greatest hits. You know, the fiance and I very soon, you know, here at the end of July, we're gonna go see Hootie and the Blowfish and Bare Naked Ladies. You know, you're you're not gonna get all the good Hootie songs right off the bat. No, they're going to space them out. You're right. not going to get one week followed by The Old Apartment, followed by It's All Been Done by BNL. No, they're going to space that crap out. I thought the timing of the match was perfection. Me too. It was okay. It wasn't rushed, it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel like, okay, we got to get all of our stuff in because Vince only said we had five minutes. <laughs> um, it, or we got to get the rest of our stuff in because ref just said go home. Right. Um, it seemed like it was – we've all seen the Andre the Giant documentary that HBO did um, and how Hulk Hogan wrote out that match at WrestleMania three. And then he talks about, as they're doing going through the beginning of the match, it's literally what he wrote. Same feeling. It was just like, okay, yellow legal pad, go. And it just went shot for shot for shot for shot. And one of the things I know to be true about Brett was that he was notorious for wanting everything planned out to the down to the final detail. Right. He didn't want to call it in the ring. He didn't want to do any of that kind of stuff. He wanted to know before you even, you know, before the music even hit, we know what we're doing here. We know what we're doing here. Um, You know, he he never freewheeled. Brett was not a freewheeler. Brett was an anally, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. Brett was, Brett Hart in the ring was an anally retentive asshole. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It is that is well known. Everybody's that yeah. Absolutely. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that 
when you when you can do it as good as Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Right. There was a, 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 a couple more observations. One thing that I noticed is that um, nowadays it seems like a lot of people, if there's a ton of rest holds in a match, people complain about it so much. And it's so slow and it's so boring and there's so many rest holds. But then here we have Shawn Michaels heading into what would be his absolute prime and Bret Hart in his absolute prime. And there's tons of rest holds because it makes sense. Because the first nine or ten minutes of the match is ever right. You're wearing your you're wearing the guy down. You're wearing him down. And it's nowadays people say that that's bad wrestling. But then those same people will also turn around and say that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are two of the greatest to ever do it. And then you watch their matches and there's tons of rest holds because it makes because sense. Generally speaking, whenever we we call somebody a technician, what's their strategy? They pick a body part. Right. A leg, an ankle, a shoulder, the back, you know, your neck, whatever it is. And then they start working on it. And a lot of times you're working on it with rest holds. And right. that's what a lot of 80s wrestling was like. You know, I'm not talking about the, you know, up at the top of the car with Hulk and stuff like that. But I'm talking about your Bret Hart's, your British Bulldogs, your, you know, uh, the, the Rockers, work. all that stuff. The workers. Horses. Yeah. W- would always do that. They would pick a body apart and break you down. Absolutely. Uh, that's it, one of the reasons it, I love Greg the Hammer Valentine so much, too. He's one of my favorites from that era, because that's all he ever did. Uh, Oli and Arn Anderson. Yeah, them, too. I mean, I'm going at it from a WWF yeah. perspective. Surprise, right. surprise. But they're all over the place. But when you, to me, when you mentioned pick a body part and beat the living hell out of it, that's that's an Anderson trait. That yeah. is that is Arn Anderson working an arm, working a shoulder. You know, as he famously said, four-legged table. Uh, you know, a three-legged table can't stand. Um, I gotta be honest. I gotta give. I got. I gotta give this match an A plus. For the simple fact that it's not, it's not an explosive match that just, like last week when we had Okada Omega two out of three falls, that was just from start to finish a roller coaster ride. And it was a and revelation. It, yeah, it was, it was, if, if you're a fan of coasters, it was Millennium Force meets the Beast meets Top Thrill Dragster meets Phoenix. Meets Goliath. It's just every holy crap moment in roller coasters all wrapped up into one. This was a symphony. Absolutely. No chaos to it. No craziness to it. It was just, it was Beethoven. It was just perfection from beginning to end that told a beautiful story. And essentially became became the foundation for the next five, six years of five or six years in WWF, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it. So for me, A plus. I got to agree. A plus. That's just I mean, it's it's Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. It's Bret Hart laying in the spots and Shawn Michaels bumping. Like, that's A-plus. All day, every day, that's A-plus. Put him in the ring, put Brett on offense, put Sean bumping, and we're done. Call it a day. A the plus. only thing for me that was kind of alarming, 
And I don't really mean this in a bad way because I guess we always knew this about Brett. I remember his interview with me and Gene before the match was rather clunky. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Brett's yeah. interviews were garbage, man. Yeah. The only way he's not the worst interviewing WWF champion in history is because the Ultimate Warrior existed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. God awful on the mic. I'm literally, I still got the network on, and they're showing Survivor Series 93 with him and Backlund. And yeah. he's got the whole family behind him, and it, this is just... Brett. And he got marginally better as time went on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I said he got marginally better as time went on. By the time he, yeah, by the time uh, he was working with Taker and he was working with Austin and stuff like that, and and by the time the, the events of 97 came around with Sean, he was decidedly better on the microphone because he had a lot more anger, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know? The heel, heel, heel Brett was much better. Yes. You don't have the insights for it. You know so, what? Another thing that I noticed, I thought that I thought that Shawn Michaels promo with Shawn Mooney was actually good. But one thing that one thing that I'll mention about Brett's that I noticed that I don't remember ever picking up on or noticing then was every time they referred to Bret Hart, they did not call him a technical wrestler. They called him scientific. And I thought that was really I had never noticed that before. And I don't know how long they did that or how often they did it. But they, I never noticed it before. Early '90s WWF, that was a Vinceism. Absolutely, yeah. I, I knew as soon as they said scientific, I was like, uh, Mean Gene said scientific, and I said, "Shut up, Vince." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if that was a gorilla monsoonism or if that was a Vinceism, but that was definitely a WWE trait, you know. Then again, Gorilla Monsoon would always talk about the figure four leg lock, which stretched your lateral collaterals. Mm, yes, absolutely. Those body parts of Gorilla Monsoon, sweet lord. Anyway. The external occipital protuberance. Yeah. <laughs> His what? You're the one that assigned the homework. What say you, my friend? Um, For me, because it's early on, and because we haven't quite yet, although... Maybe I should take this back because, as RJ eloquently pointed out just now, everything was stiff. Everything was a strong style-esque. I could see their, you know, the developing embryonic stages of their animosity here. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I'm better than you. No, actually, I'm better than you. No, you're, you're mistaken. I'm better than you, and I'm going to prove it here. Right. Um, I'll, I will give it a solid A. I, I think... Um, only because in a vacuum you probably give it an A plus, but only because I know what's to come. That's true. They they can ratchet the volume up even more as time goes on, as they start, you know, orbiting around each other, you know, and coming back toward back together, you know, again over the course of the next five years. That's the only reason I'd really give it an A. Truth be told, I think all three major Sean and Brett matches, this one, uh, WrestleMania twelve, and then Survivor Series 97 in Montreal, I truly believe all three of them are A-pluses for different reasons. Yeah, I agree. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Iron Man match was simply a story. It was, you know, whereas 
this one, Survivor Series 92, was a symphony. The story of WrestleMania 12 was War and Peace. It was Tolstoy. It was Shakespeare. It was all of this, all of these beautiful literary works of art. And then the chaos and the brutality of Survivor Series 97's an A+. Because it's just freaking Metallica. I mean, it is, it's won by Metallica. I mean, it's just this animosity and this anger and this hatred, and it just swells and swells and, the, and swells. and the subterfuge, don't forget. And exactly. So I'll go ahead and tell you, if we have, if we do the Iron Man match or Survivor Series 97 for homework leading up to the, um, uh, leading up to the um, the Montreal Screwjob show, which I'm thinking if I can get my calendar to pop up on my backup phone. Um, Google, open my calendar. Just kidding. Right, uh, I know, right? All right, so you're going on a vacation starting this week. Correct. Uh, we've got fourth. The next week would be Fourth of July. We may just take a day off on that one because. Yeah. The next week, I'm going on a mission trip with, with uh, my church family. Okay. So I propose July 18th is going to be the Montreal Screwjob Show. So let okay. it be written. Let it be done. Both the Raven Nevermore. And RJ's like, crap, now i got to write something down. <laughs> I got it. Gar Garçon, a pen, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Garçon. So I guess it's my turn in the rotation for homework. You would be correct. All right. So, Brian, you're out for next week. So, RJ, it's me and you. I figure I'll just throw something fun out there, something somewhat recent that we can just watch and enjoy because there ain't a damn thing wrong with this match. Take you back to NXT TakeOver Toronto. You know where I'm going? Gargano. Possibly. Yep. Garg DIY versus DIY. the rivalry. Two out of three falls. Ah! One of my favorite matches. See, my. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. calm down, gentlemen. Calm down. Everybody just calm down. So then. I, I Holster just your weapons. Holster the weapons. Anyway, figured a little, just a little something fun and I love that and exciting. And I figured I'm like, yeah, RJ will love this one. Yeah, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> any, any excuse to watch this match is just it's fine. I agree. Um, In fact, I think when I'm ready for a break from packing tomorrow, I will cue that up myself and watch it because I love me some Champa and Gargano. Oh, do you guys speaking of Champa? I'm seeing some uh, Twitter posts from him that, <laughs> that would indicate to me that Homeboy's about ready to potentially make a comeback. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's about ready. I, you know, he announced at TakeOver 25 that he had been cleared for non-contact non -contact work. Uh, the way Chumper was, uh, was pressing, those dumbbell, pressing that dumbbell on Twitter that he posted on Thursday morning, Doing this, doing this stuff right yeah. here. Uh, 
Blackheart does not seem like he's gonna he's ready to ride it off into the sunset because I can't remember what he posted, but it was something to the effect of look at what I'm doing. And the last two words he posted were bay bay. Yeah, he better look over his shoulder. That's gonna yeah. be a great match. Chess oh plural. All I got to say is, at this point, let's just keep Gargano and Cole feuding with each other until Champa comes back, and then we have Champa Gargano, Cole, three-way. Wow, that would be awesome. Yeah, do that. Let's do that. Yes, yes, please. So, Brian, let's start with you, buddy. Raw didn't suck. <laughs> no, Raw did not. And I, I was as surprised as anybody, because we've been coming out here for probably a good month plus now, talking about... Your creative process sucks, change it. Yes, but... I, I, ha, you know, I have a litany of things that I wrote down about Raw, but the, the overarching theme is, if it was a match, it actually had a purpose to it. There was, there was something that you were building towards, and it wasn't necessarily stomping grounds related. And even the spots that they had, you know, the vignettes and whatnot, for the most part, I was actually entertained, and this is going to surprise you, the spot where Reigns picks off Shane's retinue one by one on the way back to that VIP lounge or whatever. I thought that was actually quite entertaining. I did too. Because it, it results in Shane getting the comeuppance in the ring. Not Shane, you know, escaping because he found somebody else. He found the Singh brothers or he found, you know, Eric Young to like, you know, do whatever for him so he can get away. I love the Fatal Five way. Yeah, I thought there was some innovative storytelling in that. Everybody ganging up on Braun was cool. And it's nice to see Ricochet get the rub. Yes. I don't know if he's going to beat Samoa Joe or not, but it's nice to see him get the rub and be put in that spot. Um, but, again, what do we keep coming back to about Raw? Firefly, Funhouse. I wasn't even angry that he didn't appear, quote unquote, in Los Angeles like I had read that he would be. Because I'm starting, I, I told you several weeks ago how one of those vignettes that had the dark elements starting to creep in made my skin crawl. This one really made my skin crawl because this Bray Wyatt, nobody's safe if they do this properly. I don't know how they're going to do it. I've seen theories, but nobody is safe. I don't care who you are. My guess is he's got a list and he's fixing to go through all of you. So I, I want so badly for this to work. And that's me. That's Mr. Babyface saying <laughs> that I want this so badly to work because he's got my attention. He's a heel who has got my attention. But he's not portraying him. He's trying not to portray himself like a heel. It's all shiny, happy, and, you know, let me in, and I'll, I'll help. Uh, you follow me, and everything will be great and all that. But then there's these creepy things coming in. You know, oh, back in the rabbit cool. with the mallet and the Vince puppet with the devil horns and all this other, all the little allusions, like the posters on his walls and stuff like that. He's got some diabolical crap planned. And I want me some diabolical crap as long as it's executed perfectly or, or correctly. So I, I was pleasantly surprised by Raw. And I still think Nikki Cross is going to. I'm so proud of you. 
<laughs> well, thank you. I still think Nikki Cross is going to play an important role in this Bailey Alexa match. No doubt. And I wonder if it could be what I had proposed last week about she's finally tired of Alexa's machinations. I think and she's you're going to turn on her as opposed to turning on Bailey. I think that's going to be the case. I think I think when we reconvene in two weeks, when you're back, you're going to be able to go, called it. Called it. You're yeah, going to be. You will hey, too. Hey, you are going to do your best Patrick impression and put yourself over like a son of a gun. And you know what? If it happens, RJ and I will straight up let you go. Because if you, because I think, honestly, I think you're going to be right as well. I, it, it's just kind of steering it. Just like if, when, go ahead. If this is what it takes for them to realize what an asset they have in Nikki Cross, then so be it. Right. I mean, there there's layers to this character more so than what they've been giving her credit for. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I'm saying that about a lot of people on this roster that have just been squandered. You know, I mean, maybe this is the turning point. I don't know. I'm I'm ever hopeful. You know me. But that's kind of what it feels like is going to happen. Uh, I just want to toss in one thing real, real fast. This, yes. is, this is a conversation about Raw, and which I agree, and I'll, I'll get my turn in a second. I agree Raw did not suck. I would just like to point out that we're supposed to have a brand extension, and we are currently talking about Raw, but we are talking about a rivalry that is for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yes. Rest in peace, brand extension. Yeah, I, it's over. They're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks at this point because the brand extension didn't work out the way they anticipated, I guess. Not even close. You mean the brand extension that failed the last time they tried it? And the time before that. <laughs> when John Cena was drafted twice in the same night. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, but but good good on them. And I actually like Seth kind of going nuts on everybody with the steel chair. Oh, God. It was the best. why do we have to be squeaky clean as the champ? You know, I get that you're a baby face and you're, you know, you get the crowd reaction and stuff like that. But if you're angry about something as a baby face and you don't like the fact that Baron Corbin gets to handpick his referee... Fine, I'm going to take on anybody that even shows the slightest modicum of interest in this special guest referee role. I don't really have a problem with that. But I, but I fear I know what's going to happen. I fear I know who your special guest referee is going to be. Who? I fear it's going to be Mr. Money in the Bank, Brock Lesnar. Oh. I, I don't I don't know like who else yeah. makes logical sense for that. Yeah, you get them on the pay-per-view that way. And you get everybody talking about it. Or may, maybe he screws Seth and gives Baron the title and catches it. I don't know. I'm not saying that's what I want to happen. If, if it's Brock, it's 100% pure WWE because why would you not advertise that? You know what I guess? You're talking. I you mean... Know, I, that would be, I, I, it would be, I agree with you that it would be a great idea to make Brock the special guest referee. Well, you, you fear it. I think it would be a good idea um, yeah. on surface, 
but it wouldn't work because they didn't advertise it. So yeah. no, like. And I've also heard that maybe pumping grounds, but you wouldn't be doing yeah. that. I've also heard that maybe this is how they get Wyatt back in the ring. I don't know that that makes any sense either because you're trying to shoehorn him into two people that have no history with him. That better not be it. Yeah, <laughs> I, that that would be a waste and that would be a misstep. For the record, I almost had a fatal four-way in my house because all three of the cats saw a black cat on the front porch and they were trying to knock down the front door. Oh. <laughs> so we almost, had a, we almost had a battle royal at uh, 666 TikTok Avenue. Who are the odds makers favoring in that one? Um, I got to go with Batman. Okay. I got to go solid, with Batman. That's a solid pick. I'm going to write that down. It's... For those of you that don't know, the three cats of the house, Batman, Molly, and Jenny. Batman's the only one that's not declawed. Oh, yeah. That's, Another that's reason to go with him then. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, Brian, you've met her. Molly is the biggest bitch on the planet. Yeah, cats. Cats and I generally don't do well around each other. Right. But you know, Molly, Molly is a bitch. Your your you cats see, tolerate me. You guys have seen Jenny plenty of times. The cat that always goes behind me that we once had the counter for. Yeah. Getting her, getting her stuff in. Oh yeah, you know she has to make her appearance. I'm gonna know. prance right now. Yes. <laughs> anyway. What uh, were uh, Patrick? What say you about Raw? What did you? Think about it overall. I kind of, I kind of feel the same way as you do. The things that stuck out to me, I love, I loved. I was actually surprised that they went with Ricochet in the five way. I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I'm not complaining, but I was like, I, I wasn't really expecting that. They usually get those things so categorically wrong that I just kind of passed that off, and it was just like, oh, oh shit, cool. Um. I loved Firefly Funhouse, as I have every week since it started. I want to be the guy to say that on this show, I was the one telling Brian, if they do it right, this is going to be amazing. If they do it right, it's going to be amazing. And so far, it has just been from week to week to week. Must see. Um, Seth going nuts. I love. Because, yes, I love heels. Never once denied that. You know what I love almost as much as I love heels? Vigilante antics from a face. Like, there, there is a reason that Sting is my favorite of all time. Because, well, great wrestler, entertaining, but the white and black crow gimmick from the... You know, the NWO days of WCW. When days he of gray. months without saying a flipping word. But just came down to the ring, baseball bat, and just beat the crap out of anything with a pulse. Stuff like that. I mean, newsflash, my favorite comic book character of all time is the Punisher. You know, a vigilante story is great. So if it's, okay, I'm a good guy, but I'm going to kick the crap out of anything that moves. Hell yeah! Because now it's not, now it's not just, I'm going to fight for, there's a, let's go Western here for just a second. We'll go off on this little tangent, because you know me, I do these weird things. John Wayne, 
white hat, you know, yes, ma'am, gonna, gonna do things the right way. Why it hurt? Shoot first, ask questions later. Seth Rollins last week and weeks before, John Wayne. Seth Rollins last week, Wyatt Earp. And not the Wyatt Earp played by Kevin Costner, the Wyatt Earp played by Kurt Russell. And uh, it just reminded me of something else. Uh, a couple nights ago, I caught the tail end of one of my favorite recent vintage movies, The Equalizer with Denzel Washington. God, yeah. Oh, so good. And I mean... And and you wouldn't think that that's the kind of cat that I would like, but I know what his motivations are. You know, he sees injustice, and he's going to do whatever he can to squelch it. He's a one man. He's right now. He's a one man shoot. <clears throat> right. I, I, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Um, Sequel was pretty good too. Oh yeah, and if we're gonna talk Denzel kicking the crap out of bad guys movies, we also have to go with my favorite, Man on Fire. Oh, I love Man on Fire. That's a great one. So good. So good. Um, My favorite Denzel movie is Training Day. Can't go wrong with Training Day. See, Denzel in that one just plays a great heel. Right, absolutely. He's just a great heel in that. Wow, we are now talking Denzel Washington as, you know, as heel and vigilante face and everything else. Like, wow. We have descended into this part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but you know what? That's what we do on Wrestling with Ego. We just kind of go off on these tangents and believe. And at the end of the day, as crazy as it sounds, it all makes sense. Yeah. So, gentlemen, we're going to do it a little bit early. But, hey, why not? Um, got news for you, boys. It's last call. Okay. Because um, we're 45 minutes into the show. and. I got a feeling we're still going to take up about 15 minutes with this crap because it's going to be a good our bar, <clears throat> our, our, our bar discussion this week, you know, crack them open if you got them. We need to actually have some prop beers for this or something. I don't know. Um, we're, this week, we're going to discuss best factions of all time. Kind of just go around the room, great factions and why and doesn't have to be WWE. It can go WWE, WCW slash NWA. Yes, yes we I'll see it. Go New Japan. We uh, see it. I know, I know you're going to go Bullet Club, but if you don't mind, gentlemen, I got to go first. Please. Because I know RJ is going to say Bullet Club at some point. I know Brian at some point is going to say DX. But I'll tell you right now, before there was this, and before there was this, there was this. And without this, the damn sure ain't no, to quote Jim Ross, the damn sure ain't no NWO, and the damn sure ain't no DX. And to add a little bit more to that, the damn sure ain't no Bullet Club. And they're also, sorry, RJ, sure as hell ain't no AEW. Yeah, there ain't no elite. So, to me... See, and that's where I'm going to take exception with you. No, I'm not, I'm not going to take exception with you. <laughs> for me, the horsemen were the first great faction. 
They were the godfather and the blueprint that everyone 30, 40 years removed. We're talking 89. Yeah, 40 years removed. We are still we are still following the same blueprint of the four horsemen. Flair, both Andersons, Tully Blanchard, JJ Dillon. Um that was the quintessential heel faction because you had everything that you needed. You had a hard-nosed, just horrible bastard in Oli. You had two workers. One of them was as smooth as butter, and the other one was just hard-nosed, but as good as it gets, Tully and Arn. And then you had the man. You had the leader. You had the boss. And at that point in time, he just happened to be the best stinking wrestler on the entire planet in Ric Flair. Mm. Um, with the exception of Oli, there wasn't a damn one of those guys that couldn't cut a promo. JJ included. JJ could talk. Flair could talk. Double A could talk. Tully Blanchard was the first, was the cockiest little turd in the entire world. And I loved Tully Blanchard. Oh my lord, I love Tully Blanchard. But they they could work with anyone. They got anyone face, you know, a face pop because they were so good at being heels. Boys and girls in wrestling, if you ever want to learn how to be a heel, I direct you immediately to Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, Jim Crockett Promotions, watch the friggin' horsemen. From point A to point B. That's it. You know, breaking Dusty's arm, breaking Dusty's leg in the cage. Um, just good old-fashioned heel heat. That's how it's done. And again, without the four horsemen and all and you know, their original entity, which then led on to several thousand other ones, but without the without the four horsemen. You do not have factions the way we have them in wrestling today. That is a factual statement. Yeah. Kind of like without, um, you know, without Sean and Razor doing the ladder match, we don't get the Hardys and Edge and Christian doing the ladder match, which means we don't have TLC. Or money in the bank. You have to have the OG. that and for factions in this discussion it to me it begins with the horsemen agreed um any mini money whoa which one of you is the bigger oh go rj <laughs> i mean <laughs> okay that's I'm how we're gonna do things i mean i i knew we were talking factions today i pulled out the bullet club flag for a reason uh, I'm obviously going Bullet Club. I'm actually, surprisingly enough, and I know this is going to shock, I mean, I got Kenny, and I got Kenny, and I got Kenny, and I usually am in a Kenny shirt, and I actually had a Kenny shirt on before I changed it, this shirt. It's, I'm not, it's not about Kenny. The okay. original Bullet Club. All evidence to the contrary, but please go on. <laughs> I'm talking about the Prince Devitt Tamatanga, Bad Luck Folly Bullet Club. The the um 
even even maybe a little bit of the AJ Bullet Club when the Bullet Club was heel when it was as not as you know not as heel as the Four Horsemen because they did have a lot of face tendencies but not as much as they had they basically turned when Kenny took over as the leader of the Bullet Club they basically turned face because the fans just made them they got so popular they had really had no choice. But the 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 stable has always faction has always supposed to be a heel thing. It started as non a heel of non gaijin a, of gaijin faction within New Japan that was here to take over the Japanese wrestling with gaijins, and that's that's the Bullet Club that I love so much. I love so the Bullet Club with Kenny, but gaijin bunch of white guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's foreigners, you know, It's and that's what it was originally supposed to be. It morphed into something different, obviously. Like, we have Gato in it now, and um, Yujiro's been in it for a while. And so it, it's morphed into different stuff. But the original Bullet Club, I just think that with as heel as they were and as over as they got in Japan, I, I, I think it's one of the best factions of all time outside of the United States. It's probably the best faction outside of the United States. That that, that is a a valid argument. We also have to think that the initial idea of the NWO was something that was done in Japan as well. Um, Let me ask you this, because it's something I don't know, and I'm sure you watched. Brian's a big Finn Balor fan, but let's go back to when he was Prince Devitt. Prince Devitt as a face was like a freaking rock star, right? Yeah. And um, then he real, it, the and, real rock and roller. Right. And then he turned heel, formed Bullet Club, and it was just like, from what I've read, that was the equivalent of like Sean throwing Marty through the barbershop window. Yeah, it was yeah, it was close. I would say it was close. Nobody okay. saw it coming. And I mean, then, I, I can't. I can't speak for everybody, but like, I didn't see. <laughs> Mister Professor Brian, you are up with your first submission for best faction. Well, you knew this couldn't have gone down any differently with me. I actually wrote up a recipe for what makes a good faction. Before nice. I, yeah. And the hey. first ingredient. This is going to shock everybody out there in wrestling with Ego's Land, but the first ingredient to make a faction successful is something that seems to be in short supply in WWE land these days. Creativity. You need time. time. If it doesn't work the first week, we'll try it again next time. And if it doesn't work the second week, that's okay. We'll try it again the, the, at the time after that. All of these factions we've named so far and all the other ones that everybody out there is thinking of, it wasn't just one and, okay, that didn't work. We're done. We're not going to do it anymore. You know? I think I know where you're going, but I'm not going to say anything. Go. Keep going. Well, I, I'm not going to give you an obvious one when, when I give you my first one because, you, you know, I've become too predictable. I still and think I, I'm where you're going. Yeah. But you need time. You need a top guy. Maybe a legend, and then maybe you need two up and comers for muscle. Never mind, you know, you're not going where I'm going. That's that that seems to be my recipe for it, and there that and, and you can tweak that, 
you know, because a lot of our submissions, I'm sure, will tweak that a little bit. Um, I'm actually going to go, and this, it, it might stretch the definition a little bit, but I'm going to go that 96 era Hart Foundation because you had Brett and Owen, you had Bulldog, you had Brian Pillman in there for a while, and all these uh, you had all these other rotating cast of characters. I'm thinking specifically of that in your house Calgary Stampede. Yeah. Where my goodness, the reaction they got. They were like conquering heroes coming back to take on, you know, the other team. I, I know Austin was on the other team and I can't remember who else was with them. I think Cactus Jack, but Game Rock and somebody else. Yeah. So that that there was that whole year plus where it was kind of like a powder keg situation. And then you also need a moment where one or all of the faction is holding all the gold, I think. You know, they got the tag championships, you got the Intercontinental Championship or the U.S. title or the TV title or whatever you want to call it. And then you have the World Heavyweight Championship. Again, like the Horsemen did, they held all the gold at one point. Um, the Shield had gold all at one point. You know, it, it, so that's why it, it tended to work. Right, and the Hart Foundation did because I can't remember... Either Bulldog or Owen was the Intercontinental champ. The other one was the European champ. They yep. were the tag champs, and Brett ha and Brett had the big belt. So that's why you know, based on that recipe, and you could fold any any of your other submissions into this, I'm sure. But I would go Heart Foundation as one of mine that I just enjoyed watching. I'm not going to say they're the best ever because obviously we have about six or seven or eight others that we could name as better than them because of their longevity or because of their contributions or whatever. But when they were together, they were getting a reaction. They were getting a response. They were making you feel something. So I would go Heart Foundation is mine. I, I one of like, mine. I am a little, you caught me off guard with that one, but I, I'm going to piggyback off of something you said for my next. Yeah. And it is, even though, even though I'm not wearing a watch time because if it doesn't work on week one try it again it doesn't work on week two try it again give it time to breathe and i could go with a lot of other factions that i think have had a bigger impact in the business i could go with dx i could go with shield but the next faction i'm bringing up is the definition of patience because being patient made them as big as they are now. The New Day. There you go. got to think about it. Those original vignettes with the church choir and everything else. They and missed the mark. Debut. Oh, my God. How bad could this get? This is terrible. In fact, the, there's a collection on the network about, you know, New Day, Feel the Positivity. And I, I think over the winter, I queued that one up and started from the beginning. I remember that was what I remember thinking. Wow, this is rough. Oh, yeah. And then, and then wow, I'm glad they stuck with it because eventually as they start, like, you know, tweaking it and, you know, shaping it and, you know, changing it around, they started to get over in spite of themselves. And look where they are now. They can do yeah. no wrong. It was a very rock kind of moment where they're supposed to be heels, but everything they're doing is awesome. You know, 
everything's about being booty and uh just their antics were just hilarious because remember bootios started because they were heels they were talking about bootios because they make sure you ain't booty i you know big you know they find ways to make fun of towns i remember watching a monday night raw emanating from very near and dear to my heart birmingham alabama and you know as biggie always does his big intro as they're getting ready to come out he doesn't say oh birmingham it's oh booty hell you know it was and i was like all right that's funny that's funny um but no matter what they did it didn't matter the fans ate it up because it was creative and it just got more and more asinine every week because like oh my god you know it's kind of like you know dx pushed the creative envelope and got more and more risque every week trombone and when they win he plays the victory theme from final fantasy are you kidding me he has his hair done up for a pay-per-view like ruby rod from the fifth <laughs> element and i'm like oh my god how the hell are they gonna let him get away with that he had to comb his hair out for a appearance later on that night because they figured out what the hell it was doing, and the fact that that thing looked like a wiener. Um, <laughs> yeah. Details. Looked, uh, details. Like you know. But uh, every stupid ass thing they did got over. Like, they are Pancakes. getting. Before that, dude, they're getting flipping breakfast cereal over. Breakfast cereal. Yeah. You can buy bootios I... on, on WWE Shop or FYE. And I have a feeling Arjun put his hand up because he's going to say, I not only have a box of bootios, I've eaten bootios. I don't still have it because we ate it. <laughs> we bought it at uh, WrestleMania Access at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando so that we went to Access on Saturday, and then we bought the Bootios so that the morning of WrestleMania, we could have Bootios for breakfast. Awesome. All right. Letter grade. How do they taste? Uh, C. Okay. <laughs> we never bought them again. It got to ask these things. But yeah, I would definitely go with the New Day, because... Think about this. They debuted WrestleMania, what was it, 30? No, 30 is when they came 30. out. 30s when they came out in the big box of cereal, right? Yeah, I 32. think. 32. Well, was it 30? Yeah, it was 32, because it was the year before they hosted. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so they debuted 31, somewhere around there, and they're getting booed to hell. The very next year, you're right, in it was in Texas. The very next year, in Dallas, they come out in, the, in this big-ass bootios box, and Big E makes a, sends a tweet out 
after the night of WrestleMania, after it's all over, because the New Day had just found out they sold more merch than anybody. So we go, it says something to the effect of, we go from being booed out of every building to selling more merch than anybody. And a lot of you bought, you know, bought flaccid shapes, flaccid shaped headbands. And then look at their social media presence. I mean, I'm an avid watcher of Up, Up, Down, Down and all the things Xavier Woods is doing on there. And all the people he's able to fold in, he's got his own little alternate universe and stuff like that with Tyler Breeze and with Samoa Joe and with, you know, Asuka and all these people that he gets on there with him. And it's really refreshing content, I think. So, I mean, big ups to those guys for for seeing another path. Don't forget a couple of years ago, and this is how far up, up, down, down reaches. A couple of years ago, they did a Street Fighter tournament with all three guys from the New Day against Kenny Omega and the Bucks. Yeah, that was awesome. I watched that stream live. I gave away my shift that day so that I could watch that stream live. I did too, and you know what? It was freaking hilarious because Kenny went full-blown heel like, no, you are not going to eat these peppers. I'm going to eat these peppers. (laughs) And I'm thinking, no, bruh. I am not volunteering for that crap. Sorry, dude. Yeah, no way. RJ, do you have another submission for the list um i'm gonna go with one that's a little bit different brian you know they exist i don't know that you know a whole lot about them patrick you'll love this um i'm gonna go with just based on how over they were within the company they worked i'm not going nwo i'm going bwo the blue world order they are. Thank you. I mean, look at how Brian, 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 Brian. <laughs> two Brian. weeks ago, Brian. Two weeks ago, we had. Was it two weeks ago? We mm. had the ECW match. The three-way the dance. Yes. You cannot tell me. You cannot tell me that the BWO was not absolutely unbelievably over with the fan base they were supposed to be over with. I want to, but I can't. <laughs> they nobody like very few factions have gotten over the way the BWO got over as a parody. I oh, get yeah. it. Yes. Um, oh God! The BWO and their vignettes they shot on ECW television. Oh. Uh, first off, you do not watch that crap with a full bladder. You will pee yourself. <laughs> They were so absolutely stupid. But and Meanie just went nuts. And it was just like, okay, let's just be the biggest group of dumbasses we can be. It is an absolute perfect example of another example would be like Cody with Stardust or even Dustin with Goldust of somebody taking something and just completely 100% committing to it and doing it to the best of your ability that you can do it to, no matter how freaking stupid it is. And they just got it completely over because it was so funny. Oh, yeah. 
loved the BWO. And I, 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 we could say DX, we could say the NWO, we could say all these obvious factions, but the BWO just got over like nobody's business. The one BWO vignette I remember. Uh, I can't remember what set it up, but it ended with Stevie and Meanie. And um, Stevie was saying something to the effect of engine, engine number nine. This is where we like to die. And then he popped the shirt up and was like, Stevie looks so truly fine. And then Blue Meanie's just like, Meanie forgot the closing line. And then Stevie just starts beating the crap out of him. I'm like, and then they come out dressed as Kiss, and they yeah, just start yeah, walking yeah. out in the middle of the ring, and then Sandman comes in, starts catering the hell out of everybody. <laughs> it was just ridiculous, but I'm with you, RJ. It that was a breath of fresh air. I love, and, love and, PWO. And whether some people want to admit it or not. Most, oh, I don't, well, maybe not most. A lot of factions are led by a guy who could freaking go, and Stevie could freaking go. Stevie, if if he wouldn't have suffered a neck injury, I think Stevie could have ended up being huge. He yeah. was charismatic. He could talk. He could be a face. He could be an obnoxious heel. You saw that in Right to Censor in WWE. I mean, the freaking guy got Right to Censor over. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he was the mouth. He was the only mouthpiece from Right to Censor, and he got that crap over. Yeah. Um, he Good. truly, in my opinion, one of the most underrated Mike guys in the in the history of the business. Yeah, him. Stevie's talking is one of the things that got BWO over so much. Oh yeah, Brian. How about you, Bubba? What you, you got? Anything next? Um, this is kind of another obvious one, but I gave you a not so obvious one before. I don't really care that this is an obvious one, but Evolution. I mean, as as far as a modern day faction that our you know our younger fans out there can take a look at as you know how does a faction how is a faction supposed to work? That's kind of what my recipe came from. You've got the legend in Nate. You've got the top guy in Triple H. And you have the up-and-comers in Randy Orton and Batista that before that they weren't doing much. You know, Batista was uh, Reverend Devon's uh, deacon or uh, the, the, the uh, tithe collector, whatever you wanted to call him. And then Randy was kind of just doing this, you know, you know, whatever, you know, the, the up-and-comer, blue-chipper kind of thing when he was kind of getting lost in the shuffle because he didn't have a lot of personality yet. You know, he was, as I recall, he was in a tag team with Hardcore Holly. Some might yes. argue still doesn't have personality. I, this is true. I get that. Um, but then you put those four together, and hey. here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a what if scenario for you a little trivia question. Do you know who it was supposed to be in Evolution before they put the four of them together? Mark Jindrak and somebody else. I can't remember the, yeah. fourth, the fourth guy. Because they actually filmed it, them walking down the street with the sunglasses or whatever and the Porsche and all that stuff. And they just didn't, and they did like house shows or something, but they didn't like the chemistry. So they, they took Jindrak out and I think put Batista in instead because Orton was always going to be there, as I recall. I think you're right. Um, but you look at 2000, 
2003, I think, 2004, 2005, they were all over everything. They had their fingerprints on every angle. You know, you had Batista and Nate as the tag champs. You had Randy as the Intercontinental Champion. You had Triple H as the uh, World Heavyweight Champion. And, you know, you can say it was to the detriment of some of the other people that they were cycling through there at the time, like Booker T and Scott Steiner. And that's another story for another show. But as far as a faction that was over for being heels, you know, evolution of a more recent vintage is is it for me. Um, I also have a list of factions that failed for various reasons that I wish would have gotten more time because they could have gotten something. And I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. There's one in particular that I wish they would have let marinate a little bit more because it could have they could have done so much with it. Straight Edge Society. Oh God! Yes! Oh my God! Straight Edge Society could have been so good. They gave up on it way too soon, and I and I for the life of me don't understand why. Neither do I. I think that could have been a beautiful vehicle to create. A, a really good heel CM Punk. Never been a huge fan of him, uh, but I loved the Straight Edge Society. I thought it was great. And if they would have just let it go a little while longer, I think that could have been massive. Um, little yeah, side note, Serena's cute, too. Oh, God. Yeah, that deep, helps. Gorgeous. I would like to throw out there it, just a little tidbit of information on the Straight Edge Society. The, uh, my buddy and the guy who is actually the owner of our local wrestling promotion, AIW, John Thorne, is actually one of the guys who got his head shaved. Oh, cool. By the Society. Nice. That's awesome. Because yeah. wasn't one of their first head shavings in Cleveland, as I recall? They were in Cleveland. Yeah. and Okay. Yeah, it was one of the first ones. I remember that. That yeah. Um, so Patrick, you you had exited the screen. I I kind of spun it around to factions that weren't as successful. That we had maybe have had high hopes for, but they failed for one reason or another. So that's why I brought the Straight Edge Society. Okay, I that that's actually that's actually really oh, oh wow um. Because I have several more. <laughs> several more that failed? Yes. Because it's like RJ said, we could sit here and just rattle off all the obvious ones. And we're and not to do a disservice to DX or NWO or, right. you know, the Nation of Domination or anything like that. But sometimes it's sometimes it's 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 a little bit more fun to say what if about yeah, some I'm of not, these. It's a massive what if. Wyatt family. Yep. I have them written down. Oh, first off, I think, you know how we've discussed in the past, like, the Von Erics are a story, uh, are, are like tragedy of wrestling. Bray Wyatt himself is the ultimate what-if story of wrestling. What if creative got their heads out of their ass and just, and just literally let the maniac off the leash and just go, go. Just go, and we'll book around whatever the bloody hell you're doing. 
if they it seems like that might be what they're trying to do now. I hope so. And, with the amount they, of freedom he allegedly has. And I saw a story today from uh, What Culture actually put out something today that said that uh, so they have a source within WWE that says that uh, creative has been given the directive to let people have more creative freedom to try to improve the product. So we might be seeing more of that. Wouldn't, wouldn't hurt my feelings. That's a good but place to start. Bray Wyatt being able to do what he wants with that gimmick and that entire faction, I don't even think you would have needed to add Braun Strowman. Now, we're talking like Wyatt family around the time when they're beating the living hell out of Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan then gets his, gets his payback in the cage with, with Bray. You know, Wyatt's versus S.H.I.E.L.D. I truly think you could have done that whole crazy cult leader thing with Bray right then and there and could have done huge business with that. I'm going to always say Bray Wyatt is the ultimate what if in the history of wrestling. Agree. RJ, um, do you do you have one that uh, you you saw fail and you wish it would have gone down differently? Um, maybe JBL's cabinet could have been better. Okay. I just, he was such a strong heel character. I think that if he, maybe you put more people behind him, maybe you put stronger people behind him. I understand what the idea was, was to get him to lift up some people that were maybe a little bit under him. But if you put him with some stronger people, I think that could have really been absolutely amazing. I don't think it was horrible, but it, I, it could have been a lot better. Like the Wyatt family, it was good, but it could have been better. How about you, Brian? What what's something else on your list of a faction that left us all with a little bit more? Left us with left us wanting more. From the sheer numbers standpoint that they had, and this is another what if the Nexus. Oh God! Because yeah. you had one of I There's watched this back. And I and I still get chills the night it actually happened when Cena and Punk are wrestling, and Wade Barrett comes out on the ramp, and Cena's attention is to him. But then you got uh, Antonio Tar—that's uh, not his name. Um, Michael Tarver. Michael Tarver. Antonio Tarver was a boxer, but yes. Michael Tarver jumps the jumps the the guardrail with that mask over his his face that he wore. And then you see Justin Gabriel come out. And then all of a sudden, there's like seven or eight of them. And they, we, we both, all three of us know what happened next. They actually tore everything up that night. And you saw looks on the fans' faces like, what are we watching here? I had you know? to say on my face watching it on TV like, what the bloody yeah. hell is this? And what derailed that, I think, was we know that a couple guys got hurt. Uh, and then Daniel Bryan got let go for choking Justin Roberts with the with the tie and all that because that was deemed too they, he went too far, and you know we've talked about that before, but you know and John Cena and Edge have gone on record saying that they shouldn't have won at SummerSlam it should have been the, the Nexus going over because you're trying to create the, these guys and these depth and I guess the point was to get Wade Barrett over at some point which they tried to do later on in the fall, but all the momentum had stalled by then. 
And then you try and bring it back with CM Punk as the leader, and that didn't work either because now you got Cena playing the hero and picking them off one by one. And, you know, even though CM Punk did a brilliant thing at the Royal Rumble that year where he was, he got the microphone as he's eliminating people. He, you, you, I need you in the, in the Nexus. You're, you could be great, and I need to throw him out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah. the Nexus is an ultimate missed opportunity in my eyes. Yeah, that was, you know, we were talking about time. That was one that was just rushed. Yeah. I think that could have. I think they could have slow played that. And I mean, because I think, you had eight of them, how's right. anybody supposed to combat that? There's eight of you, right? And the fact that they rushed that just absolutely just to me. To me, it was the second worst rush job in the history of wrestling. And the next faction I want to bring up as a what if. Might not consider a failure, but I consider it a massive what if because they rushed it, then people got hurt, then it just the wheels fell off. Mm. The shield. I do not get me wrong. The Seth Rollins heel turn. Beautiful. Loved it. Loved Always got to have a plan B. Yep. Loved heel Rollins with the authority, which led to the cash-in at WrestleMania 31 in, in uh, San Francisco, which was brilliant. Still, love sitting in Brian's living room when that happened, cackling like a maniac. And meanwhile, Brian's just like, like, that's freaking awesome. The heist of the century. Yeah, but the she first off, I hated the fact that it was rushed because there's, I still think there was so much more you could do with a face shield. Because now, because think about this, we're at WrestleMania 31 and now it's money in the bank. Now, you know, we've already got, we've, we've, we've dispatched evolution. So now Let's go straight into a full-blown war between the with, with the Shield and the Wyatts instead of just that one match at Elimination Chamber. Let's go full tilt with this bull crap. Um, let's do another Elimination Chamber, but now let's put you know a, another match at Elimination Chamber. But let's put one member of each in there and have a version of War Games. Oh my God! Why the hell didn't we do that? We had a match at Elimination Chamber. Four pods, six guys total, could have been awesome. Um, but no, we had to rush it. So let's do that. Then let's get to Money in the Bank. I'm, I'm, I'm revisionist history booking, guys. Let me go on this for a minute. We get to Money in the Bank. We figure out which member of the Shield we want to be the guy, whether it be Seth, whether it be Roman, whether it be Dean. Doesn't matter. They're gonna we're gonna put them in the match. The other two aren't in the match, but they're gonna get involved and make sure their boy wins it. So if we're gonna do it as a if we're gonna do it as heels, we do it that way. If we're gonna do it as a face, we have the Miz and his entourage or somebody else that's got some other heel that's got people behind him. And they're going to try and get involved. Here comes the other two guys from the Shield to clear house. 
leave the guy that's supposed to grab the briefcase to grab it. Big celebration. Yay! Everybody goes home happy. You, you keep doing that. And then you have your face champion with the shield. And then there's plan B. And now you have face champion versus the guy that just broke up the damn shield, which means you would have put the title on Roman. And then Seth goes off and does that. Timeout. I'm going on a tangent. I got a better what if for you. What if they would have turned Roman Reigns to Instead of shoving him down our throats as the conquering hero for the last three years. Roman Reigns heel. Oh my God. That would have been so awesome. You could argue they tried to do it by having him beat Taker, but I mean that's that, not a that, heel that went off like a wet fart in church. Like, no, that that's X Park heat. That's not heel heat. That's just yeah. when he ate and died. RJ, how about you? I think I'm out. I'm Man. out too. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Check, please. RJ, how about this for bar discussion next week? Because this has kind of got me thinking. I give you two words. What if? Yeah, hell yeah, let's do that. What if? Yes, that's fun. And we'll leave it at that. We got to do that. I love that. Just anything. What if? What if the Von Erichs hadn't had a tragedy? What if Benoit hadn't gone back crazy? What if Owen hadn't died? That was that I, I was opening my mouth to say that as the words came out of you. <laughs> I'm gonna be I, spoiler alert. That's my first one. What if Owen hadn't died? And I got a feeling that's gonna be the bulk of our show. Yeah, probably. Talk, we'll talk about stomping grounds for a half a second. We'll preview. Because um, I'm, I, I'm seriously, I know it's Sunday night. I don't care. Me either. I'm watching it because I have to. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll queue it up at some point, but it won't be Sunday, you know. Because right. I'll be. It feels like I have to watch it. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be in that. In, I'll be indisposed. <laughs> yeah, right. Kind of like me in the middle of September when I'm going to be in Viva Las Vegas. Because, you know, call it a honeymoon and I got better things to do than hang out with you two jabronis. Have fun, buddy. (laughs) Every intention. Yeah, yeah. So next week, it's me and Mr. AEW over there. Brian's going to be on vacation. Enjoy. Safe travels. Tell my sister-in-law to keep you in line. I will do that. So next week, it's me. It's RJ. It's a little bit of stomping grounds. It's a little bit of AEW. And it's a whole lot of what if. And some homework because we got DIY and the revival. Damn good match. Uh, Gentlemen, before we get out of here, any parting thoughts? Write in and tell us what you thought of stomping grounds because it doesn't sound like any of us will be watching it that much. But I'm, I'm, you know, you know. You know but, what? I mean, we've had so much fun doing this show. Haven't plugged anything. I can take oh. care of that for you. You you always wind up doing it, and I feel bad that you're always stuck with that. There's I don't mind. Plen- yeah, there's plenty of ways to get in touch with your boys here at Wrestling with Egos. Uh, we have the Google site that has all of our past episodes on it. That's bit.ly backslash with egos. 
Twitter is probably the quickest and most effective way to get in touch with us. Uh, Patrick can be reached at rant mode on. RJ can be reached at RJ Eman with two N's at the end. And your boy is on Twitter at bkriego15. Uh, you can also email the show. We're all doing that yeah. now. <laughs> you can also email the show, wrestlingwithegos at gmail.com. Your submissions are what make this show tick, because we like to think of a lot of stuff, but your submissions help us round out the show, and we appreciate those of you that do reach out to us and let us know how we're doing. Your feedback makes us better. I've said that many times. And thank and, you, as always, for consuming our show. And don't forget, most importantly, for especially for you two, you, you people, that, you, you wonderful audience members that enjoy us on YouTube, don't forget, because we keep forgetting, we keep forgetting to do this. So you don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this. Hit the bell. Make sure you're getting notifications whenever any, whenever our crazy asses decide to start doing something else. Uh, that way, you're always in the loop with anything wrestling with egos. We got, we thank you guys so much for being a part of the show and going down this crazy little rabbit hole with us, because. It's an hour and a half of insanity, and it's always fun. RJ, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here? Good night. <laughs> Good night, game over, drive home safely. For RJ, for Brian, I'm Patrick. This has been Wrestling With Egos, and until next week, that's our story. We're sticking to it. <laughs>